It's time for Roadworthy Drive, America's premier mobility news and technology talk show. Ken loves talking all about mobility changes, while Sasha loves the latest technology, and Jack just wants things to stay as they are. So here they are, the opinionated trio with a futuristic twist, the Roadworthy Drive crew. Real opinions, real talk. Welcome to hour number two of Roadworthy Drive, America's premier mobility news and technology talk show. I'm Ken Chester in studio with Sasha Little. We're so glad you chose to be with us. As usual, we've packed this hour full of news and information that you need to know and you can use. News from the parts bin will start in a few minutes, as well as discussing the regulation of safety drivers, a pet peeve of mine, when it comes to supposed value of human drivers and autonomous test vehicles. <laughs> yeah. For the last part of this hour, it's the popular Tech with Sasha segment by Roadworthy Drive's own Sasha Little. Find out what's on Sasha's mind this week. For those of you who want to comment, respond to a topic we have covered in the past, or suggest a topic for future conversation, reach out to us via telephone call or text on the Roadworthy Driveline, that number, 872-222-9793. If you would rather communicate via email, the address is ken at roadworthydrive.net. Either way, connects to you, you, to me, and the show. And now, as I just mentioned, I'm in studio with Roadworthy Drive's resident geekette, Sasha Little. Hey, Sasha, <laughs> how you doing? I am doing great. I just checked the radar, and it seems like my request for absolutely no snow is holding strong. Uh, what did I tell area. you about those cuss words on the radio? Right, right. Meanwhile, your neck of the woods um, is another story, sir. Yeah, it got worse. Uh, yeah, yeah. Lovely. So that way, I was basically doing in in the stream of you know Thanksgiving, the the season of giving. I was giving you my share of winter weather. You can have it back. I don't want no. There's no give back seas. <sighs> there's no give back seas. <laughs> wow. <laughs> what kind of setup is this? No give back seas. Wow. Yeah. No. Sorry. Oh well. Oh well. Um, parts bin. Yes. We've been talking about retailers, particularly grocery stores, yeah. in recent weeks. Mm-hmm. Here's another one. Kroger picks location for first automated warehouse. And they're talking about building 20 of these around the country. Now, when you say automated, mm-hmm. what exactly are you meaning by that? Equipped with digital and robotic capabilities yeah. at 335,000 square feet each. And they're going to build 20 of them. And the first one mm-hmm. is going to cost $55 million. Wow. Wow. That's okay. Now, they're going to do it in near Cincinnati. And it's their first, what they're calling, customer fulfillment center. Now, this pati- the way this particular works, uh, it's going to add jobs, actually. And uh, it's going to allow them... To use robots and artificial intelligence to retrieve orders and to do it in a way that is more efficient and cost effective. So, again, here's here's another retailer that's either getting with the program or not. Well, and over the weekend, I found a couple other things just to kind of toss in here with the... um with the uh, parts bin, mm-hmm. found a couple other things of interest where I did not want to go outside my house for my groceries. Okay. And I did not realize things like in Waterloo, Ames, Des Moines, 
places like Aldi's, Walmart, Sam's Club will deliver, like free of charge. I order it online. They will deliver my groceries to my home. And there's a secondary service that if I live within, like, I think it was 20 miles outside, they will pick it up. I mean, obviously for a free and take it to my house. I believe they call that mobility <laughs> as a service. Right? And I was... I was Even asked- in the rural areas, people, <laughs> like we said first hour, actually in the parts bin, yeah. we were talking about how rural America mm-hmm. is not being left out of this wave as mobility changes and gets redefined. Um, things like grocery stores. And the reason why we're bringing up like retail, imagine if you add a either some sort of mobility service or even an autonomous or semi-autonomous vehicle to the mix. Which we have talked about with the, what was it, Domino's? And um, there was another one that it was it was just a concept, but well, you basically there was, unlocked. There's several machines that are actually on the West Coast that right. actually could deliver groceries and or food yep. uh, completely autonomously. Yeah. No driver, no nothing. Yeah. Uh, we're getting there. It's coming. I saw that coming. I'm not surprised. Uh, but it's coming. I'm just saying that it needs to come out to my neck of the woods. That therefore, I won't. Ne- I won't have to worry about going out. I mean, ever. Oh my. <laughs> okay, here you go. <laughs> what do you got? Police can remotely drive your stolen Tesla into custody. Wait, 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 wait. Okay, three things. Mm-hmm. They're Police, saying right remotely. Stolen Tesla. No, no, no. <laughs> Remotely driving. Mm-hmm. So no one's in the driver's seat? Or is the criminal in the driver's seat? I believe we call that autonomous cars. Right. But I can't use the autonomous driving feature in my actual paid-for Tesla to drive me home. Okay. But yet the police can use the autonomous feature to drive my stolen Tesla Hold on now. Because I have an issue. I'm sure you do. I'm tired. Let, 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 me, let, <laughs> let, me, let me leave. The, let me set this up for you. Thank you. Imagine this. I will. You're leaving work. Uh-huh. Walking to your car. Yes. And finding an empty spot. <gasps> Somebody stole your brand new Tesla or whatever fancy autonomous car you're driving. When you call the police, uh-huh. they ask you for permission for a, quote, takeover, unquote. Like OnStar used to. Which you promptly give them. Next thing you know, uh-huh. your car is driving itself. And here's the kicker. <laughs> the thief is inside and will remain locked inside until the police can arrest him. Does that ring a bell for a, an autonomous police car we talked about in the parts right, bin? Right, right. In the parts bin where they had the, uh, they had the, uh, the whole con- thing. Con- yeah. The you know, whole judge, idea. jury, the whole bit. Yeah. Okay. Even though it's futuristic. Uh, it's closer than you think. Okay, so this is not something. Not yet. Okay, because that was my that was my issue. Was uh, is this something that is now, as opposed to uh, Dutch police have been testing this stuff, and they've tested several cars: Tesla, Audi, Mercedes, <laughs> and Toyota. Obviously. And they wanted to know if we could make them stop or drive them to certain locations. And the exact quote: "The result is yes." We probably can. Now, other cars makers have already built similar features into their vehicles. Think OnStar, people, yeah. but without the driverless aspect. 
uh, GM equipped 17,000 of its 2009 vehicles with remote ignition block, a kill switch that can turn off the engine in case the car is reported stolen. May I mention 2009? Yep. 10 years ago. Well, and isn't there a program on one of those reality television shows that has Bay a car? car? You think yeah. about Bay Car. I'm that, thinking that's about, so wrong. I'm just saying. Uh, that's you know. so wrong. Um, now, we're not there yet. Kay. They say, they admit, a few years away from driving themselves into custody, but think about it. Mm-hmm. We've got connected cars. We've got semi-autonomous or highly automated cars. Yes. We've got all these sensors. We're getting there day by day. But can you imagine um, it changes the whole thing? I mean, right now, if you have a vehicle equipped with OnStar and it's stolen, they can locate it. They can slow it down and shut it off and force it to the side of the road with your permission. That's right now, today. Yep. Now, here's my question, Mm -hmm. because I have to play devil's advocate here. Of course you do. Uh, So you have a a flabbergasted or upset ex-spouse who works for the police department, and he decides to, you know, he, he, ha, ha, take my Tesla. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, do they happen to put in what kind of safeguards they're they going to have? They haven't gotten that far. Uh-huh. I'm sure they will because it's going to be a legal issue. Yeah. Uh, if somebody's in your car, I can't imagine somebody being in your car by mistake. But, you know, maybe, maybe they are. Uh, maybe it's a misunderstanding. I don't know. Maybe the car pulls up. They think it's theirs. No, no, no. Here's my other thing. I'm not okay with any kind of programming already in the system that would allow a remote control driving because here's where we come into the remote control autonomous hostage situation. Someone that hacks those terrorism self-driving bombs. He's pointing to me notes that he has made. Mm -hmm. Are you trying to say that you've had these ideas before I actually said them? A driverless getaway car? (laughs) Uh, Self-driving cars becoming driving bombs? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we've we've got some more things to talk about here. Coming up, the regulation of test drivers of autonomous cars. My point, people, why bother? Stay tuned. Real facts, real opinions, real talk. You are tuned in to Roadworthy Drive on the Roadworthy Drive radio network. Just behind the Haynes Mansion in Spring Hill, Tennessee, we're building the brand new Saturn sedan. A car to take you from Monday through Friday to Saturday to Sunday. If you're just joining us, welcome to the second segment of this hour of Roadworthy Drive. I'm Ken Chester in studio with the bright and bodacious Sasha Little. We're so <laughs> yes. Where do you come up with these adjectives? I'm a writer. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> We're so glad you decided to be with us. <laughs> now, my pet peeve uh, this week, mm. regulating the safety drivers of autonomous test vehicles. And honestly, really, 
Why bother? Did you catch the one where the uh, the safety driver is what caused the accident? Mm-hmm. We talked about that last week. Yep. With the yep. motorcycle because they changed lanes and in an attempt to react to an aggressive driver approaching, the driver took over, changed lanes, not seeing the motorcyclist in that lane and connected with the motorcycle driver. Fortunately, from my understanding, the motorcycle driver wasn't really hurt, but still, accident <laughs> caused by the driver. Yep. Here's my take, pure and simple. In the early days of autonomous driving, as the vehicle is learning how to do it at very low speeds. I was about to say, you know, when you say that, I have the image of what was it, the 1970s where the computer was in the trunk? Mm. (laughs) Anyway, I'm talking about low speed driving as it's trying to identify things. Mm -hmm. I can understand that. Right. I can even understand it maybe, okay, in a controlled setting. But when you're getting out in real world and you're up a past 30 miles an hour, 30, 35 miles an hour, for example. Okay. All right. Okay. You're covering way more ground than you think. All right. Let's even go typical highway speed, uh, which is between 55 and 60 miles an hour. Here is my beef, pure and simple. If an autonomous car is rolling down the highway at 60 miles an hour and there's a problem, now the computer reacts in literally tenths of a second, hundreds of a second, nanoseconds, they call it. Yeah, yeah. Um, For the average driver, even if the driver was paying attention, totally dialed in, on top of it, knows everything going on to that very second. They're two, still not going to Two to be three able, seconds. Yeah, they're still not going to be able to react in a time that is faster than the computer. Exactly. Yeah. So why are they sitting there? And it's scientifically impossible. Why are they sitting there? That's my problem. Because it's one of those things where it makes you feel good. It's for the public not to me. feel better. Not me. I'm just saying that that's why they do it. It's one of those empty things where it's supposed to make you feel better. Is it of use? No. Let me read this. This is a recent article. Go ahead. The big picture. Uh Safety drivers are the researchers' eyes and ears chronicling every roadway encounter to make the technology better. But requiring drivers, even specially trained ones, to pay attention without actually driving is difficult. My point. My point. Yeah. Which is why many companies argue that full autonomy is the safest way to go. In fact, I'll go you one further. The Ford Motor Company, when they were first starting out with autonomous drivers, were finding out that the problem was the drivers were falling asleep. Yep. Well, and not only that, but I mean, like you just read, they are expecting them to evaluate the road conditions and monitor the car. I mean, you can't have the best of both worlds, darling. Well, typically when it's going the way it's supposed to go, right. you have two. You have one that's looking at, got a laptop open and assessing the information. Oh, so there's another two one people in the Supposed car. to be, but guess what? Yeah. That Uber crash in Arizona. Oh, the one that everybody goes to. Yeah. One of many, but one driver. One driver, yeah. One driver. One driver. Uber was trying to take shortcuts, but guess what? No federal standards, people. Yeah, so they can get away with whatever you want. So, I mean, the real person that people that everybody needs to get aggravated at is your representatives. Well, let me make this simple. We don't know, other than the training, how many years the person's been behind the wheel. So, yeah, you might get this training, but if you haven't had 5, 10, 15 years of real-world experience, to me, the training's moot because you haven't been exposed enough. I think there needs to be minimum standards of one 
uh, you need to have at least 10 years of practical driving experience, which unfortunately would knock out most of the young folks that they hire. Yeah, because, I mean, that's my thing. Let's get this 21-year-old driver who's had, like, what, maybe five years of actual driving. Yeah. Let me break this down for you right here. Go ahead. No federal regulation, just what they call general guidance, no teeth, from the U.S. Department of Transportation. Right. They suggest that the state should be the one to regulate safety drivers. Say what you will about the state of California, but California is really the only one on it that's really mandated some heavy-duty stuff. Yes, they have. And you got to report it. Yeah. So you don't get away with it. Now, this is the typical... I'm going to read the typical way it's supposed to work. They... Safety drivers typically work in pairs. Like I said, one in the driver's seat, one riding shotgun with a laptop, monitoring the car's computing system. The driver needs to be capable of taking over immediate manual control in the event of a failure or emergency. But that's going to be too late. Right. Yeah. Typically, though, human interventions are triggered by a situation that the trained safety driver deems tricky. Yeah. Based on how much experience? A couple of months? Really? Um. One company that's developing technology for Ford adopts their, quote, a no heroes, quote, policy when it comes to drivers retaking control. They need to learn that while we want the car to experience life, it has to do so responsibly. If they're giving it too much margin and allowing it to get too close, bad things will happen. Now, see, that makes sense. Like, if I'm trying to teach, even when uh, when driving like the cars for uh, wheels of non-consent, and the lane keep assist. I mean, there's some of those that they want to ride right there on the uh, on the white line. Mm-hmm. You know, I can understand where they've got to teach the car. No, not that close, but, you know, dead center. Mm-hmm. Here it is. Pilot has to be alert with their fingers lightly cupped around the steering wheel and their foot hovering over the pedals. That's hard. Um, they limit the driver's time in the driver's seat to two hours. That's still hard. Yeah, it And is. the pilot and co-pilot swap drives recently. They don't need a special permit but, like we mentioned just a few minutes ago, states like California require that they have a valid license and undergo training. The training, get this, lasts at least a month and involves classroom instruction and driving on a test track. Let me tell you something. To get a regular license, on average, in the United States, takes a minimum of about 30 hours on average. Some states a little more, most states a little less. 30 hours. Some states require nighttime driving and driving under different situations. So yep. you're telling me something this important, one month. Yep. And it's classroom and driving on a test track combined. Oh, and the best part? Includes hardware and software training, including how to turn the self-driving system on and off. Wow. Hooray. Yeah. On the track, the instructors deliberately inject faults into the system to train drivers how to react properly. Excuse me, folks. When I got my driver's license, it basically introduced me to the basics. You're not going to know all the stuff. That comes with years of experience. Again, I would like to see standards. If you're going to have them behind the wheel, I'd like to see them have a minimum of 10 years of regular driving. But that's just me, and that's my rant for today. Rant-worthy moment. Yeah, No kidding. Yeah, craziness. Uh-huh. I don't know. Anyway, coming up, it's Tech with Sasha. Don't touch that dial. Real facts, real opinions, real talk. You are tuned in to Roadworthy Drive.
Real facts, real opinions, real talk. This is Roadworthy Drive. We are Ken Chester and Sasha Little. For those of you who want to or need to know more about us or the show, check out RoadworthyDrive.com. There you will be able to find out more information, most likely more than you ever wanted to know, about your favorite Roadworthy Drive host or hostess. Just saying. If you're joined to your mobile phone in ways that may be considered not okay, uh, you can still experience the show. Look for us on Google Play. We're also proud to announce that we are now part of Podcast IA. A shout out to our new friends over there. Be sure to check them out. For those of you who like us on Facebook, we have a special social media only show starring our very own Sasha, our own social media diva. Tell them about it, Sasha. Well, um, for those of you who have not seen it yet, I do Wheels of Non Consent, where I basically steal or <clears throat> borrow, 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 borrow the vehicles that Ken gets every week. Um, unfortunately, I've not had one for a couple weeks. Um, we're running. You gotta on- bring them back before they run out of gas, Sasha. Okay, Just that saying. Sequoia needed to say that it was feet. Per gallon, not miles. It wasn't just per the gallon. Sequoia deer. Something about that last Mazda we had. Okay, that was just fun. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. That that was. Got to bring fun. them back. Zoom zoom. Uh, before you run out of gas. Zoom zoom though. Yeah. Tow truck though. It, it got like another couple feet. It was almost to your house. Not quite. It, I mean, anyway. So yeah. the point is, I'm trying to help you, the consumer, understand what your dollars can buy you. Send Sasha gas money. <laughs> So she can at least get them back. It's getting embarrassing. Oh, I could just, you know, it is the season. I could just rally up some deer and, you know, www.sasha.com. <laughs> no, rally up some deer and then, you know, put them so that way like a sleigh. Uh, Sasha. I could be St. Sasha. Sasha. The deer are in rut. They're not going the way you want them to. Oh, pish posh. I'll put a doe in the front and then no, get like 12 No, no. It's bucks. Not gonna, no. It's not, no, not a thing. Not a thing. And Anywho, before we get distracted and off into the weeds, like often what happens, sir. Um, or the woods. <laughs> you can check me out on uh, Snapchat or Instagram and, of course, Facebook. And that is Tech with Sasha. And, of course, make sure that you like the mother page, Roadworthy Drive, on Facebook. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And check out our website. That's Wheels of Non-Consent, folks. Be sure to check it out. Now, what you've been waiting for, and without further ado... This week's installment of Tech with Sasha. Okay, so it's me again. Um, I wanted to talk about something very near and dear to my heart again this week, and it is STEM education. Now, what you might not know, STEM stands for Science, Technology, Engineering, and Mathematics. It's something that has been integrated into our educational system for a while But now because of a massive shortage, sorry, in um, employees in necessary skills. Pretty much everywhere. Right. We have a lot of manufacturing automakers. Everyone is getting in and helping these schools out to get more STEM um, related education on earlier and earlier grades. Math is fun. Math is fun. Science is fun. Coding is amazing, children. Wish I could figure out the math part. (sighs) Two plus two is what? Stop it. New math or old math? (laughs) (laughs) Old math. I never did get the new math. Anyway. I mean, just a few facts for you. They're talking about they're facing nearly 600 
thousand people or employees shortage just in the manufacturing sector. Um, what cloud- kind of jobs is that, Sasha? Well, you're talking about computing. Um, you're talking about like sciences, engineers, um, definitely engineers, uh, augmented reality, virtual reality creators, uh, drone technicians, what? Do you, drone technicians, especially for like state fairs and stuff like that. They hire people to operate drones to, you know, get the skylights. You've got farmers that will hire in drones to do like fields. I mean, drone technician, the ability to fly a drone in a professional mannerism. mannerism. And what's best, these don't even need college degrees. So in other words, there's no such thing as DWI on a drone. (laughs) I'm just asking, you know. I mean, it is it is what it is, and I don't know. None of my research took me there. But it's one of those things where with the STEM jobs, most of them you don't need higher than like a standardized uh, uh, high school diploma. Um, they don't even need like a college degree. Less than half of them require like a four-year degree. Um, it's um, The average salary is 85 thousand dollars a year wait a minute let me get this straight yeah you're telling me yep with just a high school diploma yep don't have to go to college yep don't have to go to vocational school yep i can pull down 85 grand yes in Uh, some of these jobs yes yeah and and where am i going um you can go to autonomous or uh electric vehicle engineering you can go into space expansion um ai trainers space force space force um and I get like space balls in my head no, now that movie. No, no yes. I don't think they meant that. Yes, Sasha. I know. No, but I mean it is one of those things where we are desperate, desperate for people to take over these jobs and to actually help. I mean, right now alone, what was the number here? And I know I've got it. The United States is twenty eighth in math literacy and twenty four in science literacy. Whoa, we're not number one. Who's number one? Uh, you know what? My research did not. I did not even look that up. I'm sorry. I should have, but I did not. I mean, we are being replaced in pivotal um, okay, areas. Wait, okay, wait a minute. You said we're 28th. Yes. Not even in the top 10. No. Okay. Was that just math or math and science and okay. engineering? So it broke it down just into math literacy okay. and science literacy. Okay. We ranked 28 in math, 24 in science. Ouch. And that is as of 2017. Okay. Were they talking about high school graduates? That or? is, um, they took a basis baseline off of high school graduates and two-year colleges. Yikes. Yeah. I mean, it's it's pretty it's pretty sad. That's kind of dire. So, um, a lot of people have actually stepped up to help um, when it comes to K twelve, especially K-12. kindergarten. Um, that first few years that your children are in school, Tesla again. What what? Tesla has committed um, back in two thousand fourteen thirty seven point five million dollars to the K through twelve STEM program in. Uh, just in Nevada. Okay. Let me ask you a question. Go ahead. Um, and I almost lost the question. <laughs> How many manufacturers are actually getting into this and putting their money where their mouth is? Oh, and so re- many. Uh-huh. And people that you wouldn't even thought. U.S. Cellular, sir. Mm-hmm. U.S. Cellular is working with Jason Learning 
to put in $13.2 million. Well, they've put in $13.2 million in the uh, STEM education since 2009. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're committed. They do events mm-hmm. where they try to get kids. There's competitions going on right now with kids in elementary to middle school where they program their own robots. Okay, well, when we come back, there's going to be more Tech with Sasha. We're going to go a little bit further. Yes. So stay tuned. Real facts, real opinions, real talk. Roadworthy Drive is the cornerstone of the Roadworthy Drive radio network. Roadworthy Drive. I'm Ken Chester in studio with the popular Sasha Little. If you missed the first part of Tech with Sasha, you can still catch it from the beginning by going to the show website, roadworthydrive.com. Now, without further delay, here's back to Tech with Sasha. <laughs> tech, <laughs> thank you, thank talk, whatever. Tech, 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 tech. Um, okay, so in the last segment, I was talking about STEM and what manufacturers are doing uh, to help our nation's children truly get ahead in a uh, in a segment of American education that we are lacking. And before you go any further, uh, what you're talking about, just so everybody knows in case they're just joining us, is we're talking about science, technology, engineering, and math skills required to design various things. Yes. Go ahead. Right. Okay. So what can you – there are very, very – there are very various things that you as a parent can also do, um, starting as young as your toddler. Hey, Sasha, before yeah. you go there, why, as a parent, would I want to do that? Okay. If you introduce your child to coding, to computer technology, if you start introducing them to the language of computers, mm-hmm. you're already giving them a leg up. In a situation right now where there is such a shortage, and why wouldn't you want to teach your child? Is there an ideal age? Um, again, uh, statistics and studies have shown that the ideal age to teach any child a second or third language is around five or six. But much like those of us who we bought um, Leapfrog, or yeah, Leapfrog, I think it was called, like yeah, uh, when your baby. And they got used to hearing the nursery rhymes and the ABC song. There are things similar to that that you can get for your two to three year old. Um, there is a coding com- or a caterpillar that you can purchase. There are, and you can Google that. But what I really wanted to give is more towards your children that are on the computer already. Um, there are various sites that you as a parent could actually go that are either free or for a um or for a monthly fee or a yearly fee that are really really good and will better prepare your child and there's never a wrong age to introduce so what are your favorites my personal favorite was uh Kodakin it's a little bit pricey but 
It gives one-on-one. It has a vast number of uh, games on there that's associative. It gives um, the parents a critique. It reminds the parents, you know, hey, your child has not been on here for a week or a couple of days. It's going to run you about $25 a month. If you've got four children, that is 25 times four. That is not 25 for all your kids. Mm -hmm. Um, Do they have a preferred age level? They actually go K through 12. They prefer to have children between the ages of 6 to 12 Mm -hmm. years old. And who's behind this? Do we know anything about the site? I did not see who was actually behind the site, like who was driving this. And that was one of my major, major concerns because I was curious as to, is this something that maybe manufacturers have gotten together, Caterpillar, something like that? Is this something that they have gotten together and decided to help the kids with? That I can't tell you. Uh, Code.org was another one that it's actually used by a lot of local schools. Um, Code Academy is a free one that offers uh, that offers help. Code Combat is a really fun looking website. It's totally free. It's a little I, I don't even know what the right word is. It's a little campy. But it is really, really fun to kind of mess around with. Uh, and what what stood out on that one to you that uh, made you just fall in love with it? The characters um, really uh, interchanged with my eight-year-old. I, I tested it out on my own kids, and my eight-year-old really liked the way that the uh, the game interacted with her. Again, very campy, um, it, but it was it's geared to children, so it's not supposed to impress me. Mm-hmm. Um, but now... Of the sites that you're recommending, Mm -hmm. the goal is what? The goal is to teach your children coding. The goal is to teach your children basically a third language, which is the language of computing. Um, There are various different uh, competitions that are both state and regional and depicted by age groups that you can get your child involved in. Uh, So that way, again, gives them that heads up. Okay, now you mentioned coding. Yes. Uh, the question is, are, are different computer languages? Yes. Are any of these sites specific to a language, or is it just the basics of coding for any language? Or or what did you find? Well, um, there's one named Scratch that was designed by MIT students, aimed at children between 8 and 16. That one's completely free, and that actually does a variety of different coding guides. There's one called Lightbot that... Um, it actually gets it on your phone, and that one it does uh, Apple, Android, and um, Windows. Okay, I'm a parent. Yes. If I wanted one of these sites uh-huh. to give my child or my children the greatest advantage at being introduced to coding mm-hmm. and trying to steer them towards probably, I hate to use the word popular, mm. but. To get the most bang for my buck. Yeah. I mean, obviously, some code coding is better than others. Is there an advantage uh, in general terms of coding as opposed to a specific computer language that I should steer my child towards? No, not really, um, because it's anyone's guess at this point. I personally believe that it's going to be a Windows Android world. I do not see like Apple being the one because they're so exclusive. Did you just say Windows? I did. Oh, my. I'm sorry. Oh, my. I'm sorry. I got excited. Yes. Anyway, um, if you have the money and you're into this, uh, websites are great, but hands-on learning is the best. I found robotlab.com, and it is a store that basically gives you different types of 
robotics that your child can interchange and um, code for themselves. Toys or? Uh, they classify them as toys, but at $1,600. That's no toy, honey. <laughs> Let me break that down to you. That, that is like my first car, all right? Right? I mean, they have stuff that go all the way up to like $10,000. Oh, my. Um, okay. Here's the thing in the time we've got left, the big right. question. Yeah. Um, Parent, if they wanted to go online, is there a cost-effective way of doing this or a site I should start with? Because you get a lot of good information there, but I'm a little overwhelmed. Where do I start? Well, you know what? You want to start out at Roadworthy Drive page on Facebook. Of course you do. And I will have the different links there. There are, honestly, there's so many different links. It would be, it would take forever for me to spell them out. So you want to start with there. Um, and then I'll also post them on my tech with Sasha. And then maybe if Mr. Chester will allow me, I'll actually set up a page on our roadworthydrive.com website. Yeah, I think we'd want to give them probably the top five or ten. Right. So that they can evaluate and for there themselves. Are, there are toys that are much more affordable, too, and I'll put those up as well. And with that, we've come to the end of our program. On behalf of Sasha and myself, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye. Roadworthy Drive is a copyrighted presentation of the Roadworthy Drive radio network. Any rebroadcast, retransmission, or any other use is prohibited without the written consent of Roadworthy Drive Productions Incorporated.